Good evening, and welcome to Humanities 101. I'm Kendra Cowley. And I'm Lisa Prinz, and we are the coordinators of Humanities 101, or HUM. Along with our amazing volunteers and intern, Morningstar Willier, we have been putting together weekly HUM classes right here on CJSR. HUM is a free university course that usually meets in person at the U of A as well as off campus, but due to COVID-19, we are now meeting here on the air. You can always reach out for more information at 587-709-5472 or HUM101 at ualberta.ca. You can also check out our website at hum101onair.ca, where you will find past episodes and materials that are mentioned in interviews and readings to keep us thinking. Last week, we continued our conversation about music and storytelling, beginning with Brian, who teaches classes in popular music at the U of A. Brian echoed what we have heard elsewhere this term, that white people have long been making money off the appropriation of BIPOC art. We have posted the Black Music History Library link if you would like to dive deeper into the history of how Black voices, story, and music have informed all genres of American recorded music. We also met with two artists from Edmonton's hip-hop community, Zedeka and Creation. Both Zedeka and Creation embody the hip-hop tradition of speaking truth to power, making art in and for community, and combining different forms of expression poetry, dance, beat making, and visual art to tell stories. Check out Zedeka and DJ Creation's work on the HUM website. This week, wait for it, more music. We met with Chubby Cree, a local woman-led Indigenous drumming group, in real life, like in person, just before the last round of restrictions at the Starlight Room. And don't worry, we kept our six feet distance and wore masks. The space is huge and we had the whole room to ourselves. After offering protocol, warming up the drums and feeling our bellies, we enjoyed an afternoon of song and story. Jason Boris of AG47, who luckily you will get to meet right away, and Chris Harper, also from AG47 in Aowak, recorded the interview and performance with so much skillful care. It was an incredible afternoon, and we figured it deserved a significant amount of attention on the show. So how about a track to get us back there? Here is Chubby Cree with Carol Powder, Robin Powder, and Noah Green.
Jason, the magician behind the soundboard on all the songs you'll hear today, is one part of AG47, a solo musician who builds and plays a modular synthesizer, and a sound engineer here in Edmonton at the Starlight Room, but also around the world mixing sounds for touring bands. It is clear from this interview that Jason knows more about sounds than most of us ever will. But I think that many of us will be able to relate to the experience of being moved by sound, sound as it meets space, and as it meets our bodies on the dance floor. All right, so welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Lisa. I'm wondering if you could start, please, by introducing yourself. Yeah, hi there. My name is Jason Boris. Uh, I'm a 43-year-old musician, audio engineer uh, from Leduc, Alberta. I uh, started uh, playing music as a youth, I guess, uh, when around nine or ten, my parents got me a guitar. My folks were super into Wahitami music, like it was lucky to get to listen to bands like uh, Depeche Mode and Zig Zig Sputnik and the Eurythmics and the Ramones uh, at really early ages. My parents were really kind enough to share their records with me. So uh, the music has always been kind of the uh, center of my life. After high school, I started to do sound in some clubs around the city. I was playing in some punk rock bands, just eventually started taking on a few sound gigs, thanks to a couple of um, really cool older fellas that uh, helped me out. Sparky, Mike Borditsky from the Rebar, and Kevin Reynolds were unbelievably kind to show me uh, how to plug in the few things to get uh, these punk rock shows going uh, yeah and from there that that uh, just started to help me put food on the table around 97 uh, I was working at the Rev Cabaret formerly the Bronx and a band Limblifter asked if I wanted to get in the band they were in a tough spot and we had a good gig so uh, I went home, grabbed my bag, and started touring uh, pretty much straight till 2004, spending the majority of the time out. I was super lucky to get to go out with uh, uh, bands I like to choke, uh, which is a cool connection here with Lisa's husband. I think they were one of the first folks crazy enough to uh, let me tag along. And, and you know what? It felt like uh, I was on top of the world. Like there, there's still moments of like elation from that tour, like touching both sides of, of the ocean. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, I, I actually, I mean, I've been lucky enough to do a lot of touring, but I don't think like on a single tour with any band I've ever like put my foot in one side of the water, you know, uh, out on the, like on PI, oh, no, actually it was Newfoundland. Uh, and then to get to come back to Victoria and do the same thing, you know, in the space of like three months living in a van with uh, four amazing guys, five amazing guys, Dustin coming along uh, as well. Uh, I mean, I suppose everybody, <laughs> once they hit, their early 40s are like oh yeah that was the time but really uh <laughs> yeah it was 
It was a really great time, for sure. In 2007, I decided uh, it was time to start focusing on music uh, and maybe touring again. So I started uh, touring with a band called Junior Boys, whom I've uh, been touring with from 2007 till all of this stopped in March. Through those relationships in Junior Boys, there was a mutual love for modular synthesis, uh, the modular synthesizer. Uh, Junior Boys are an electronic band that blends uh, live players with uh, the electronic instruments for the dance floor, but really, you know, not just like computer sequenced DJ music. It's definitely uh, fleshed out band stuff. But uh, amongst the four members of the band, and myself was, we were all really digging deep into uh, studying modular synthesis and modular synthesizer, uh, mainly thanks to the uh, Nord Modular Synth and uh, a book of study out of the McGill University called the Nord Modular Handbook. It's a great book that can walk you through uh, the, the very basics of modular synthesis to uh, be able to become these wizards like Aphex Twin, Jean-Michel Jarre, Vangelis, all, you know, these heavy hitters in the scoring world. You've been working with sound in many different ways uh, for a long time now. So not only, you, not only are you a very well-known and exceptional sound engineer and you've toured with many bands around the world. You're also a incredible musician and you play with sound uh, on your modular synthesis. Many of us don't quite know what a modular synthesis is. Um, so in addition to maybe giving us a little peek into the, the mechanics of that, could you also tell us how you tell stories with sound? Well, first off, thank you so much for those incredibly kind words. Yeah, a modular, modular synthesis, um, is basically, uh, if, if you could imagine a keyboard or, or a synthesizer that you could open up the top of a synthesizer and go inside to the circuit boards of that synthesizer and take individual circuits and swap them around, put them into different places, uh, take different filters or different oscillators and chain these in different orders. Um, maybe send these things out, uh, maybe send guitars uh, signals into these things or in my case that I'm doing with Chris in AJ47 we're taking interviews from elders and feeding them into modular synthesizers and uh, putting those voices alongside these tones and uh, you can put them all back together and really a synthesizer that had one sound now becomes infinite palette for you to uh, create any truly any any sound uh, you could think of in the artificial world and a lot of the sounds in the real world as well until we start talking about, you know, sounds in nature and then that's, that's where things get tricky. So how do you tell stories through sound? What stories do you tell in your own music? I guess in, in my case, uh, the stories I'm examining are uh, family-based and uh, trying to understand my family lineage and how uh, it's connected uh, to the land and not just the land here, but also, uh, I, I guess I should say I'm uh, Neheo Slavic. Yeah, so definitely through this music and through my synthesis, uh, definitely I'm trying to get to the bottom of my family's story and see what it is, uh, what it is about that story that is affecting not just my family, but many families 
to this day. In, in my case, that's exploring a lot of uh, the effects of uh, colonization of this land and not just the initial colonization, but what's being felt today on the news and how all of our families uh, on both sides of this are, are broken because of this. And so I, I like to not, not necessarily wallow in this, but uh, I think it's important that the work that I do um, maybe get the voices of uh, my elders and, and even other voices of those uh, disenfranchised, uh, voices often not heard uh, because of certain gatekeepers in certain areas of music or art. Uh, how that connects to the modular synthesizer is mainly through the live performance in a lot of ways. The dance floor is a healing place and the modular synthesizer can cleanse rooms uh, by sympathetically resonating with those buildings. And what I mean by that is if, if you take the time to go into most buildings, even concrete buildings, because there's uh, other things that have been built inside of there. You can sweep an oscillator. An oscillator is, uh, imagine, uh, in modular synthesizers, that's the voice, so the singing voice. You can pitch it up from very low to very high, and you can find resonating tones in these buildings. And uh, I've found through touring uh, in many different environments in many different countries, if you can get the building resonating, uh, it feels like you're almost like you're cleansing the space. Like uh, I, I think how people have been using gongs or singing bowls. These tones I think can connect to the people on the dance floor as well. Uh, if you get all these people connected on this singular tone, uh, I think it allows you to release whatever you've walked into the room with. And it allows you to open your ears and open your heart and uh, it can allow you to prepare for dance. So often my show starts uh, with maybe 20 minutes of very minimalistic resonating drones. And by the end, I hope to uh, be in a state of elative dance, you know? Um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of how, how uh, I use the modular synthesizer to tell stories. Thing I should say, the, the stuff that I've been touring uh, my live set is completely imp well, improvised in the sense that I don't use computers with preset loops or, or anything, or even set notes. Like I use these buildings to first find the note that we're gonna start in so that the building is resonating in a sympathetic way. Uh, as a sound engineer, uh, often you're fighting against buildings that are resonating in uh, non-healing, non-pleasant tones, you know, those harsh, hurtful frequencies. So by finding those lush, low tones, I think that's where the healing is in. And, and I, think, I think there's something about stretching as well uh, that, that I don't really, that I want to be, both Chris and I are very interested in exploring the connection between uh, sound and stretching as well, because there's, there is absolutely some magic in that. that uh, where Chris and I connect on that, uh, especially in those healing tones, is Chris's voice 
went run through looping pedals and the modular synthesizer is also a healing a very healing tone as well. Uh, so I'm very excited to gather and explore this connection between uh, stretching and sound. So speaking of Chris, you are part of AG47, and everyone who's listening to this knows who AG47 is because it's, it's the music that starts and ends each of our classes. I'm wondering if you could talk to us about the project you've been doing with Elder William Quinn and some of the work you've been doing with AG 47. Um, Sure. Uh, Chris Harper and myself uh, have been working as AG 47 for the last year or so, exploring a lot of uh, the stuff we're talking about today and uh, other deeper topics uh, on, uh, you know, uh, not just our family lineage, but uh, all of our families. In this project, particularly, we're also working with Courtney Morin, another uh, video artist from Edmonton. She's she's now out on the coast. Through that relationship, uh, we've been working with uh, Elder William Quinn, who's out also out on the coast. Chris and Courtney went out with some of our recording gear, and uh, in the song that we released uh, last month, uh, they went out and did an interview. Uh, with Mr. Quinn, and we brought that back to our studio and fed it through the through our modular systems and through different looping pedals and uh, created a different a couple different mixes. We hope that this is going to be uh, not just a one-off project. Mr. Quinn also we sent him with a cassette recorder, and he's sent us back a couple cassettes now of his teachings, not just teachings, but just thoughts in general and been very exciting to hear hear how he hopes these things are heard and that's that's something that's very important to us that uh, we get these words into as many ears as possible these words are going to disappear very very quickly and it's important that uh, we speak speak to as many elders as we can and not to speak, but uh, also get it on record, you know, so uh, thinking beyond just ourselves, but our children, my family's children, your family's children and their children, uh, to be able to hear about uh, William's grandmother's grandmother. That, that's, you know, that's a lot of years back, but it's only, you know, it's, it's not it's not so far uh, when it's heard through these voices you know so uh, this is a very exciting project for us so this week um, speaking about recording voices and recording stories we're going to air the recording of chubby Cree now Jason was uh, the wonderful human who was able to do that with us and work with us as well as Chris was there helping could you share what it was like for you to work behind the music to help other people share their stories and how do you do this how do you find ways to support that storytelling that are invisible to the ear yeah Um, when I first started mixing it's funny like I thought you know you're when you're this is about like I gotta make this sound this band sound really good how do I get that guitar tone or the drums banging or this loud mix. And as I've gotten older and older, I've realized like this is, it's, it's actually, I think that's part of it for sure. Don't get me wrong, but really a bigger part of it is uh, making the artist feel comfortable to 
to make that art and to be free with their art. And, and unfortunately, uh, audio engineers very quickly and very easily can become gatekeepers in this way of uh, putting their own, too much of their own opinion or their own angle on somebody else's art. I think it's very important to kind of uh, try and represent the artist as best as you can by uh, giving them the space to comfortably make their art and capture their truth through microphone out into a PA uh, the way it, it, it sounds on stage, the way it sounds coming from that, that artist. Uh, and this session, uh, this session was like the epitome of that for me. And it was unbelievably incredible for Chris and I to get to spend time uh, with you guys, uh, with, with everyone that day. Yeah, to get to hear these stories associated with song, there's something really special like you you can't you can't just pay really to hear this stuff to to get to be privy to it is a magical thing and i'm just honored to be a part of not just that but uh this work with you lisa and it's so cool to get to be a part of it <laughs> thank you so much uh, we appreciate the generosity you have shown us consistently throughout this process and what a surprise to to have you do this with us and i i don't know i can't explain it's great i feel so Ditto. blessed anyways um <laughs> so a few classes back Marenica from ribbon rouge uh described how she did a several year long listening campaign and some of what she learned now your job positions you as a listener from that vantage point what have you learned about storytelling and what, how do you think storytelling happens? Oh, interesting question. Um, I think for me, it, it, again, it comes back to truth. Uh, I, watching many different types of artists on stage, not all are true. I think if you watch with careful eyes and open ears, you can tell uh, which ones you should really take to heart and which ones you should maybe just allow their space and allow them uh, to to float, float by. And I think whatever your story is, uh, as, hard, as hard or as beautiful, as uh, old or new, as long as it's a true, truthful story, it's of the most importance to me, especially in my work as a uh, mix engineer, uh, for sure. It's just interesting to think about your position behind that board and the stories that move through you in vibration and sound, but also through the things you touch. How wicked. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk about these crazy things. Thank you oh, so much, pleasure. Jason. I really, I really appreciate it. Jason is not the only hum collaborator experimenting with sound. Les Danny Luck is a self-proclaimed, and I quote, empathetic social commentarian, seeker of the ulterior motive, examiner of the ways and means and the apparatus which oppresses, exploits, or bestows. He is radical, passionate, and emotional, a relentless pursuer of the hearts, minds, and spirits." End quote. Les has been writing for a while, and we're only sharing a small part of a larger project he has created. For more from Les, check out our website at hum101onair.ca. 
So you want to revitalize your neighborhood? Boyle Macaulay really? Why? Why would you want to do that? Is it not already truly vital and full of vitality? Well if it were my neighborhood, I would not sit still for that at all. I would move. Maybe that is the answer, to have all the unvital, unsocial, uncaring and unfeeling residents move. Go on leave, go revitalize some other outlying neighborhood, and this way, you could make room for more vital residents, to reside and live here. Provide your lots by way of land grants to the city, for the construction of more, desperately needed vital subsidized housing, to house even more vital residents. This could restore, and help maintain the vital, character and vibrancy, of this historically vibrant and diverse quarter of Edmonton. Well maybe, with an influx of more of these vital residents, then possibly a stronger community could emerge, maybe even a community, that is strong enough to reverse, and to protect itself, from further and future revitalization. A community that would have enough political power, and have the balls or the political will, to move the city works yard, the city guard lock filling station, reroute the LRT line, move or close the stadium, divert the city centre airport flight path, close down the remand centre and the police detachment. Most of the community residents here, bicycle walk or eye power chairs, so let's block off the streets, so we can plant over the concrete, to make pedestrian pathways, bike paths and parks. Mr. Mandel, when will you erect a wall? Ah yes the Boyle, as a gated community, how truly wonderful just marvelous, with a statue of Lady Liberty Redford, standing proudly beside the gates, with an inscription that reads, bring us your aged, disabled, the truly troubled and your sick, bring us, your abused neglected, and the forgotten and all those who have been discarded. So that it would be only, your fathers, mothers children, all of your brothers and sisters, so that only then, will only the truly vital, shall ever pass through these gates. Which would protect us from all of the revitalizers, redevelopers and our own neighbor reapers of this world. Let's make love along the way Your name is music to my heart I'll always really love you Next we are going to listen to Morningstar interview Carol, Robin, and Noah of Chubby Cree. Chubby Cree began as an all-woman indigenous drum group led by Carol. This is significant because, as Carol and Robin share, they and many other women drum groups have been told by elders in their communities that women are traditionally prohibited from playing the drum. Chubby Cree speaks to us about the power of women drumming, the drum's role in healing the earth, making music as a family, and so very much more. Hi, I'm Carol uh, from Chubby Cree. Uh, we're a powwow and hand drum group. Uh, 
We also, I also did this because um, I wanted to inspire women to come back to the drum uh, because uh, my great-grandfather told me in the future when you sing, he says, what you want you got to do is to inspire these women to come back to the drum because that's the only time uh, when a woman and a child sings is when people will heal. He said, I'm not trying to demote myself as a man, but the man won't do it. It's the women. Hi, my name's Noah. I'm from Cherry Cree. Um, I like to I like to sing because to help and heal people and to make them happy and like uh, to uh, and inspire. inspire people and stuff and to to like um, to make them happy and strong and stuff. Yeah. Uh, my name is Robin. And I also sing with Chubby Cree. Uh, we sing to heal, to help people, and also to show kindness to others. Thank you. Um, how did you guys come up with the name Chubby Cree? Um, my late brother uh, passed away in 2016. His name was Rick Powder. And he was just like my child. I, I, I took, uh, I helped raise him because when our mother passed away in 91, I didn't want to leave him behind, and so I took him on, and he lived with us, and he was a great inspiration. He helped me raise my kids. He helped me teach, help my kids with uh, a lot of uh, stuff, and his name was, his, his nickname was Chubby Cree, and when he passed away in 2016, he kind of messed us up by leaving us, and so... I decided to call ourselves Chubby Cree from there so he'll live on with us. He loved our singing. He used to come out with us too to sing and stuff and inspire. Um, he was inspired by us. And before he passed away, two days before he passed away, I, I told him, I said, I'm trying to learn this song. I want to I want to learn this song. So I let him listen to it. And he told me, he said, stop. We were driving to Boyle Street to go sing for the homeless. I said, stop. He says, Carol, you know you could sing any song you want to sing. You could learn any song. Me, I can't. You, you can. So you'll do it. It's okay. It'll come to you. And it did. I realized when I'm in a powwow or any song I hear, powwow song, hand drum song, even if I never heard it before, I'll sing right from beginning to end. Whether it's a talk uh, word song, doesn't matter what kind of song it is, I can do it. It's my gift, I guess, that was given to me because my great-grandfather and my grandfather told me, you're going to become a singer in the future. He, and that's where I think where I got that gift from because they all taught us how to sing, and that has never been a problem, ever singing. So if you ever have a native song or any song, we can sing right along. Yeah. That's, that's really... Sorry, that's really um, beautiful, actually. Thank you. Um, so how and when did you start drumming and singing? Um, I started when I was five years old. The day my great-grandfather told me, he says, you're going to become a singer. I started singing that day. My grandfather's, my great, my grandfather, I'd go with him to sweats, uh, ceremonies. I even started driving for him when I was nine because <laughs> I didn't want him to hit the ditch anymore <laughs> when he fell asleep. <laughs> so I started going to him with these uh, places where he was called. He was a medicine man. And uh, a good, I'm a good medicine man. 
And uh, I used to build the sweats for him, get it all ready, the rocks, the water, everything. And the only thing I never did, not because I believe women shouldn't go in sweats or any kind of ceremonies, that's crazy. I never went in a sweat because I was claustrophobic. And being in a dark place like that and in heat, I could not do it. So I used to sit out behind where he sat inside the sweat. I sat behind him and I faced a, I faced the wilderness. He, faced, he was inside and I had my drum and rattle. So whatever song I helped him with singing through all the sun dances, the ceremonies, the lodges, all those. And uh, I started singing when I was five. And then I went into the powwow singing with my uncles and aunties. Uh, for 15 years, and uh, I've been, and then I went into the, like when I started having my own kids, I kind of like, we went, uh, people use a term in the closet, like they're, my daughter always tells me, don't use that term, but it's like hiding, you know, we weren't hiding, it's just that I didn't think it was necessary for us to, to be singing in public, so I started teaching my kids how to sing and all that, and then we came out just like 10 years ago, because this guy, when I was singing to him uh, one day, he started humming at eight months old. And it kind of made me think, I wonder if this world needs us. I'm wondering, because I sure need us. I sure need our native culture. I sure need our singing. So we decided, I decided, let's, let's go try this, see how it turns out. That was 10 years ago we came out in the public and we've been going since. We've been rocking this world since. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can speak for everybody when I say that we do need you. I need you. I've never, I didn't grow up with woman drumming. Aww. So it's really great to see it. <laughs> Aww, thank um, you. Don't mean to get a little emotional. Um, Robin, when did you start singing and drumming? And what is it like being in a group with your son and your mom? Well, I don't know. I remember I was singing ever since I was a little kid. He was like four. Yeah, and I, was, I remember because, well, when I really started like singing when I wasn't scared anymore, it's because like my mom basically told us, you know, that we belong at the drum. Nobody could tell us we can't hit the drum. And um, I still remember, like, my favorite thing about drumming is just knowing that it can help people heal that way, you know? But um, <clears throat> when I sing, when I drum, when I sing with my son and my mom, I feel, I feel like, like I need it because I've been through so much in my life. And then, like, coming home and being able to sing with them again is, like, a big lesson for me it helps me every day get through my days um Noah what is it like for you to sing with your Kukum and your mom um um I feel happy to sing with my mom and my mom yeah my mom. <laughs> and sometimes uh, I feel Sometimes I feel like like very happy and stuff to sing and stuff for like a lot of people, and 
to um the, like to heal, to help people and stuff, to um, to make them strong and help help yeah and to help some people and a lot of people and like to make them happy not like like mm, sad and like and like to help mother earth and stuff and to make it strong and stuff yeah Really interesting. Um, how do you guys think drumming and singing brings about healing, not only within yourselves but within the people who are listening? I think, like when we when we sing, if you got goosebumps or you start to cry or you feel some kind of tremendous feeling going through you. That's that's healing. That's how we impact uh, the people of the world. So many times, like a, like women will say, "I don't know why I'm crying, but I'm crying," and that's healing. Uh, sometimes we plant a seed into someone's head to remind them where they came from or who they are, uh, just by singing a song. And like that one lady from across the world. She said, I want to know what you're doing because it did something to me. I'm in a hospital, she said, and I asked for healing, and I know I'll heal. It's just that when I heard you guys singing, I started crying. So I put the phone on my tummy where I got my surgery. She said, my whole body tingled, like electricity was going through me. What is that? Is it some kind of something, like some kind of bad thing or good thing? And I said, it's definitely not a bad thing. <laughs> I said, it's a good thing. That's part of healing. Because we do believe when we sing, we sing to the creator first. And then we sing for Mother Earth because Mother Earth has no voice. So we decided we're going to sing for her because of all the impacts we hit on these people and all the healing we do for people. Um, uh, Mother Earth is a part of us. And we're a part of her because nature and the environment and uh, like uh, it has to do with lots of uh, she needs to heal too. She can heal herself. Don't ask me how I know this, but she can heal herself. It's just that the people need to give her a chance to heal. So, yeah, and that's... uh, how I think we impact a lot of people, like a lot of people even today will say, I'm just crying, tears, sobbing, why? So we all, I always try to answer everybody on our media page or wherever, whichever page we're on or, or even in public um, because everybody needs an answer because they don't understand. And sometimes, and when it's a woman too, sometimes the drum is calling you. So... My great-grandfather said, never be afraid to hold a drum. Never be afraid to pound a drum because women are the ones that invented the drum, white buffalo calf woman. And uh, the men borrowed it. He said the men abuse it. I'm sorry to say that, but they abuse it. And there's no healing there when they sing. He said it's the women and children that heal. That's the only time 
we heal is when they sing with a drum. So never be afraid, he said, because this, uh, like uh, he said in the future, Niganoti, that's what he said. You'll have obstacles, all our Cree people, not anybody else, Cree, there'll be some, maybe uh, 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 a different tribe here and there, but you rarely see them. He said it's the residential school, the UK raised uh, elders that'll come out in your time where they'll be lying to people and, and hating on women. He says those are the ones that are called obstacles. Just step over them because they're not true. They don't know their knowledge. They don't know their culture, their background, their history. It's because that's how they were taught in the residential school. He said, so you could correct them. Don't be afraid to correct them. Tell them I said. Yeah, so he's, he would have been 160 years old today. Yeah, so that's what I did. I've corrected so many Cree elders, like three, all men. And that one told me, you're going to kill the drum. You're going to kill everybody if you keep singing. And I'm like, and where'd you come from? <laughs> How old are you? And he's like, 62. I was like, you're not old enough to be telling anybody anything if you don't know how to tell it. You got to tell the truth. He's like, oh, what's, you know, he was so surprised I said that to him, but I had to stand up to him because they're, they're teaching people different and stuff that ain't true. So you never give up hope. You keep on going, you step over, just keep standing and keep moving forward. And never let no one tell you you cannot sing or drum if you're a woman. Because tell them Chubby Creole will kick your... <laughs> no diddy. No diddy, yeah. You're Bo Diddly. You're Bo Diddly. Sorry. Sorry, I always get into these things. Oh, don't yeah. don't apologize at all. Yeah. There's nothing to be sorry for. Um, what stories do you tell through the drum <coughs> and your songs? Like, where do these stories come from? The stories come from my great-grandfather, my great-grandmother, uh, my grandparents, uh, all the elders I met there, like all their siblings, their cousins. We had a community of elders in our home, in our community with three houses. There are so many of them. And every night our entertainment, because we didn't have TV, we didn't have power, water, gas. We lived in a log house. Our entertainment was their stories of the past. And we all understood Cree fluently. That's all we talked until we, my grandfather had to teach us English in two weeks and he did a pretty good job. And, but I mean, that was our, our entertainment, our knowledge of the storytelling with the drum. There's so many different songs you have to know, certain songs that mean certain things. And we always got to remember those and it's always up here, right? Yeah, sometimes like we make we we make our songs like my grandpa great grandfather told me in the future you'll get wind songs. These songs are from us. He says as soon as they come to you, sing them, keep them, use them. Now, a lot of times that happens to us on the road especially. So we got a lot of our own songs. Our album's going to be made soon. Yeah, so we'll have one out there for everybody. Finally. Yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that. Um, Robin, what do you hope 
that Chubby Cree will do for people or for the younger generation even. Or for women. Sorry, that was a lot of or fours. <laughs> well, from what I see and like what my mom has done, you know, I think it's actually going to help women not be afraid to come out and actually touch the drum or actually try to learn a song because so many women have already come to me and asked me, can I sing with you? Can you teach me this song? And, you know, like, how did you learn this? And I always tell them, my mom taught me how to sing. My mom taught me these songs. My son taught me these songs. And, like, what I hope is that one day, well, I know it's already happening, but, like, to teach a next generation so they, they're not lost and that they know, like, they know, like, to teach them, how do you say, um, to teach them our traditions and to teach them our songs, like... Pardon? Knowledge. Oh, yeah, to, to give them the knowledge, like, pass it on, and, like, and, you know, maybe teach equality among everybody, you know, because everybody should see everybody as equals and not put other people down just because of gender or because of their age or, you know, just, mm -hmm. just to... Just to, just to teach other people, I guess. Yeah, um, that's... Thank you for that. We need more people like you and, like, all of you guys, actually. Um, end it off, I think I'm going to ask Noah, what is your favorite song to perform and why? Um, favorite song is... Rocky World. Rocky World. Rocky World, and why I like singing it? Because... I'm, I'm, every time I sing it, I make people happy when I say Rocky World, and they just start laughing, and, and sometimes they cry, and, and like, then like sometimes, uh, like, every time I sing it, it just makes me happy. It, yeah, it gives me a good feeling when I sing it to people, and, like, Sing it to like help and heal people and to make them happy and strong, not to be sad and to be like strong. And why, why I like seeing it is because I, it's just to help heal people and to make it strong. It makes me happy to sing it. Thank you. Well, you have a very great voice for such a small man. <laughs> Um, and I'm really happy that you're using it and that you have the support system that you need to go far because you will. I can see it. I'm sure everyone else can. Um, thank you guys, Robin, Carol, Noah. Thank you, Chubby Cree. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Carol, for continuing to lead Chubby Cree. We have so much to learn from your experiences and stories at the drum, and we feel so grateful for having been able to spend an afternoon with you, your daughter, and your grandson. Thank you, Robin and Noah, for sharing with us your voice and your stories. Let's listen to some more, yeah?
song for you. Hey. Oh yeah? Yes. No, I heard Canada. But this song here is, uh, is our national anthem for Canada. Instead of saying, oh Canada, we say, oh Kanata. Oh. So Kanata means like a long time ago, I'll tell you a story. A long time ago when the first uh, European came, they met up with a grandfather and they asked the grandfather, what is your land called? And our grandfather told him, this is exact words he says, which he meant, this land is clean, all of it. And he said, oh, you call it Canada? He said, he said no, I, it's clean, clean earth, clean, clean ground, right? And so that's where Canada came from. And that was a story from my great grandfather. Yeah, and passed down to him from his grandfathers, which is awesome. So we made a song. Um, we call it O Kanata. Not Canada, but Kanata. Means clean in Cree.
So now we have to take a few minutes to remind folks of what they're listening to. But we have another track for you, so hang tight. In case you're wondering, you are listening to Hum 101, and we are Kendra Cowley and Lisa Prince. And you can tune into the show every Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. here on CJSR 88.5 FM. If you have any questions or have a story you'd like to share with us, you can reach us at 587-709-5472 or hum101 at ualberta.ca. Before we get to more Chubby Cree, we're going to share an I Am From poem from Gia. This is Gia's take on the first activity we posted. You can read her poem along with several others online under the listener stories tab. Here we have Anne, one of our volunteers, reading Gia's poem. Where I'm from. I am of the ancient Phoenician land that gave the Abdidaya to the world, the very country once buried beneath modern civilization. The land where ancient Baalbek still used as a stage beneath the stars, where Beateddin, an old palace, a theater of concerts. The land of the Ud, of Darbukis, of belly dancers dancing between tables, of Dabki performers entertaining lively music. I am of the land of the Thairu, of Saba and performers of old, as well as performers of music, the land of the rich, lively poetry converting into Muwal that draw me to its heart. I am from the tales Teta told numerous times of a nation I would visit only in my dreams, a tall tale of return for me and the remaining of my family. I watched my land destroyed through years of fighting, then rising anew from the ashes while living abroad, an alien upon the land where Aphrodite ruled where Antigone killed her lover, or the legend of Medusa turning into a pillar of salt people who stared her in the face, wavering in anger, her snake-like hair. Where legendary heroes flew upon Pegasus, where ancient stories told through plays on theaters of ancient times still used to this day. I came to the new world to mingle with a people I discovered no different from me, to live and prosper, to become of the new land and learn dances to drums so soothing, so healing, a culture so mingled with live settlers. I am of immigrants, making a culture unique so mingled in rain, sunshine, and sunset. Next week, we move away from music and to the written word. It is amazing that in nine classes on storytelling, we have yet to talk about one of the most prominent modes of storytelling writing, which speaks to the incredible diversity of ways people are telling stories in our city. Next week, we will be focusing on poetry and the importance of telling your own stories your own way or autobiography. We meet a couple of local writers and also speak with a U of A instructor who studies life writing and is as passionate about stories as we are. Before we leave today, we want to thank Jason and Chris for all the work and support and for the AG47 theme music. We also want to thank Chubby Cree and Jason for sharing with us. And we want to thank all those who allowed us to share their stories on air today. And thank you for tuning in.
We will be back next week from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on CJSR 88.5 FM. Thank you and uh, enjoy this last track from Chubby Cree. <laughs> <laughs>